and welcome to the movie's Past and Present Podcast. It's February 28th, 2021, and this is episode 64. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. New in theaters this week, actually it's it's new to Salt, the Salt Lake City market, is the film Minari. It's the uh, acclaimed, uh, you know, art film, uh, really, directed by uh, a Korean-American director Lee Isaac Chung. It's been a hit on the festival circuit. It played at the Sundance Film Festival in 2020, and... and uh, the film's the film studio A twenty four picked it up, and now it's it's finally getting. I think it it opened up in a lot of theaters near near the end of of uh, twenty twenty and the beginning of twenty twenty one, so it could be eligible for for uh, Academy Award nominations. And as always, it's 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 late to show up in Salt Lake City, but I'm glad it's here. It's in theaters. I actually ended up watching Minari a couple of weeks ago through a special thing that A24 was doing where you could you could watch it online. It was basically a rental. It was like a four-hour rental where uh, you could reserve a time to watch it, and then they gave you this four-hour window. So I just watched it on my, on my trusty MacBook and just really was taken with it and kind of was sad I didn't see it on the big screen. Uh, if you're not familiar with, with, the, with the film, it's... Uh, I'll go ahead and read this description to you. It's a tender and sweeping story about what roots us. Minari follows a Korean-American family that moves to an Arkansas farm in search of their own American dream. The family home changes completely with the arrival of their sly, foul-mouthed, but incredibly loving grandmother. Amidst the instability and challenges of this new life in the rugged Ozarks, Minari shows the undeniable resilience of family and what really makes a home. So, uh, as I mentioned, Lee Isaac Chun, who directed, who's the director of this film, this is really a semi-autobiographical film about his childhood. His parents immigrated to the U.S. from from South Korea, and he, um, you know, grew up in on this farm in Arkansas. So this uh, this film is is really beautifully shot i was so taken with the cinematography of it uh but really uh, you know at its core is but just just great acting and and a very very compelling story about this family's struggles both as trying to you know fit in as american you know as americans but also the uh you know trying to keep their own identity trying to keep this marriage together um Trying to help the family all get along. Things are challenging when grandma moves. When grandma moves in, and uh, I was just, I was just really taken with Minari. I think it's, I think it's a, a very excellent film and worthy of all the accolades that it's getting. I'd highly recommend it. So there are a lot of options again. How to see it right now? Check your local theater listings and check online because I think it's available to rent 
too. I think uh, with all and with with many streaming outlets like iTunes and um, Amazon, etc. Minari is rated PG thirteen by the Motion Picture Association for some thematic elements and a rude gesture. And I don't even remember what the rude gesture was. <laughs> so anyway, um, I guess it shows you know uh, where my <laughs> where my mind is. Also new in theaters, it just opened up this this uh, weekend. Is Tom and Jerry, which is an animated live action hybrid family comedy. I put that phrase together, but that's really what it is. Is from, uh, from the Warner Brothers Animation Group. It's directed by Tim Story, and it's uh, I watched it on. It's because it's a Warner Brothers movie. You know, it's playing both in theaters and in uh, on HBO Max. So I watched it on on HBO Max, and I got to tell you, I was uh, kind of pleasantly surprised in a way. I mean, it's not a it's not a great film. However, they chose so Tom and Jerry. You know, the classic is it's it's Tom, Cat, and Jerry Mouse, right? And they, who basically just chase each other, or be, or really, you know, Tom is chasing Jerry, and Jerry outsmarts him, and and uh, and and the battle just goes on and on. So, I mean, in a way, they're frenemies, um, but this uh, this film puts them in modern day New York city. And they, uh, the thing that, that that's interesting about the, the way this film was made is this, it's, it's, you know, as I also mentioned with that phrase, it's a it's a hybrid in that Tom and Jerry are animated and thankfully they are, t they're animated in a, in a two dimensional animation style. So, you know, uh, a flat style rather than, a 3D, uh, you know, a 3D style like is this really been popular with a lot of these kind of hybrid films. Um, a couple of those early Smurf film comes to mind. There's been, you know, a Scooby-Doo film where Scooby-Doo is, is done in 3D animation. And then, you know, he's, he's interacting with, with these actual actors. Um, and and I think the animation of Tom and Jerry is really terrific. It's very reminiscent of of the Tom and Jerry shorts that I remember watching on Saturday mornings um, on TV, and then of course they were popular as theatrical shorts um, back in the day, in, you know, um, kind of the forties, fifties sort of sort of thing. But uh, the the live action actors. Include uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, Michael Pena, uh, uh, Rob Delaney, Colin Jost from Saturday Night Live, <laughs> and and Ken Young. So a lot of you know a lot of different actors, a pretty robust cast of uh, of humans. But regarding the animals, so of course Tom and Jerry are are animated in it. But then most of the animals, if not all of the animals in the movie, are also animated. And this is where, for me, it just, I mean, you can't think about it too much. And also, I am not the target market for this film. This is really a film designed for kids. So I hope kids are having fun with this. So I don't, and I don't want to overthink it. But 
But there's, there's just some inconsistencies, inconsistencies about it that were problematic for me. So Tom and Jerry, they they walk on two legs. You know, they walk upright. And neither of them talk. In this film, Tom, the cat, is is an excellent pianist. We don't know how he learned, but I'm glad he did. Uh, <laughs> but uh, other animals in the film... Some of the, some of them like there's a cat that walks on four legs, but then there's also then and there's like a but then there's a gang of cats that talk, but and that also just walk on two legs, and then there's a dog, and then there's some elephants that show up. <laughs> Don't ask; <laughs> you'll have to watch it. Uh, but uh, so that part was weird. I mean, I appreciate so I appreciated that they kept Tom and Jerry. They didn't talk because, you know, they don't talk. It's really just great pantomime that's being done with those classic Tom and Jerry short films from back in the day. But uh, so they kept, they kept up with that. Thank goodness. Yet they're just they were kind of wildly inconsistent with with what with what they were doing um, anyway. And then, of course, nobody seems to be bothered at all that these, you know, these cartoon um, animals are living in their world or living in, in New York city. And you know, not that they would, it kind of reminded me in a way of, of who framed Roger Rabbit because, uh, you know, that, that great film where almost like pre computer animation, where they had the, they had these props, you know, as they were filming it to, uh, help with the illusion that these animated characters were were living and interacting in in the human world, so uh, not a great film. I think fun for families, harmless. Uh, I was I was quite impressed with the animation, not only the animation of the characters, but also then how they. I mean, I'm sure it was all for the most part CGI. How it all got uh, integrated into the into the you know the quote unquote real world. Uh, the actors are the actors are 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 are, are fine. I you know I really like Michael Payne. I think he's he, he can be really uh, particularly funny. I think he he plays well in comedies. But um, these characters are all are kind of a bit, uh, you know, the human characters are way kind of annoying, I guess. But and and not necessarily well defined as far as um, stuff. But again. I'm, can't overthink it. I uh, hope, hope uh, you know, kids can kids can enjoy it and have fun. I read that it actually did pretty well in the box office uh, over the weekend, which is encouraging. I mean, not that it just did boffo box office, but it's been doing. It did better than than many have since since uh, you know the pandemic. So anyway, you wish them well and and hope that it's a good thing. Uh, uh, or it's, you know, kind of an indicator of, of good things, good things to come in the future. Tom and Jerry is rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for cartoon violence, rude humor, and brief language. For 
this month's three by feature, which is where I pick three films from a favorite director. Uh, the director is Michael Mann. Now, Michael Mann, who thankfully is still with us, he was born in Chicago in uh, 1943. And Michael Mann, clearly that, growing up in Chicago, really uh, informed his, his, his viewpoint. He, I saw an interview with him in in researching this this uh, segment and he was talking about how in Chicago he was he, kind of as a teenager he was he was really obsessed with with all of the bridges and then all of just the you know kind of the architecture and the and the alleys and different things going on within the city and he used to just take a lot of photographs uh, of those things and what really stands out for me with Michael Mann is that his films are most of the films that he does are I, I guess he's best known for his crime dramas, and I'll be talking about a couple of those in my choices here. But really, he's got to just uh, he is such a precise director, and he does his homework. Uh, he he uh, his films always. Uh, seems so authentic and it's because he's worked hard at it. You know, he's, he, he interviews uh, and meets with all these different people from these different walks of life. And, and they really, um, they, 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 they do their homework. There's a real sense of, of uh, authenticity to, to his films. Another thing that I'm just absolutely crazy about in Michael Mann's films are, are the the filming that he does at night? I I don't know what kind of magic he's able to to able to work, but he you know and there's nothing prettier than really than like a cityscape you know at night like looking at Los Angeles or something and, and a lot of people are able to capture that but he takes it just to like a sec a next level and it's 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 a combination of beautiful beautiful and haunting and uh, anyway I'm just I'm I'm uh. I'm pretty crazy about it. All this stuff really gets gets shown off in his first feature film, which is the which was the first of the three films I'm going to pick. Um, it's called Thief, and uh, Thief. They filmed a lot of it in Chicago, and and again, you know, highlighting those those uh, cityscapes and lots of night shots. It, it's not really. I personally, I really wouldn't call it film noir, even though it it's got you know it's about crime and whatnot. It has just a very different feeling to it, and it's for me, it's just really, it's almost like a you know crime drama with 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 lots of drama going on with these with these characters. Thief stars James Caan, and and James Caan plays. Um, a character called Frank. Not that you need to remember that, but Frank is is a former. Uh, he's a safe cracker, meaning that you know he's he's got the tools and the skills to 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 break into really most any safe, and and uh, and but he really wants to get out of the life of it. But but uh, he gets the option the opportunity to score one last big heist for the mob which uh 
it turns out it's really not the last one. The the these mobsters really want to own him because he's just so good at what he does. And uh, anyway, and then it's kind of his his way of his his uh, ascent out of it. But um, as I mentioned, it stars James Caan. It also stars Tuesday Weld as his love interest Jesse. Uh, and it's another some really interesting cast members. Willie Nelson is in this film. Uh, Jim Belushi is in it too, and and uh, Dennis Farina shows up. But it's it's uh, it's an incredibly compelling film. The the uh, uh, again just I just I was just really wowed by by his photography, particularly. Uh, the night, the night shots are are worth um, are worth uh, the you know a viewing of this alone. Another interesting thing that he decided to do with this film is that he hired the uh, the German electronic band called Tangerine Dream to write the soundtrack. Now, Tangerine Dream they had only done one film prior. They did a film called Sorcerer. Which is and 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 their music really is it it, it really makes that film too. But th- it it was a smart move, I think, on man's part to hire Tangerine Dream because it really gives Thief uh, an, an interesting um, ambiance that it just wouldn't necessarily have if it was if it used more traditional music rather than this really this electronic music and Tangerine Dream. You know, it really you hear it, and it just instantly sounds like the '80s, and and I don't mean that in a that it's a bad thing. I think it's a pretty cool thing because a lot of a lot of filmmakers in the '80s then went with not only using Tangerine Dream but also just kind of that really that type of sound. And um, so anyway, that's that's a cool thing. Um, that's a cool thing about Thief too. So um, really enjoyed watching Thief. I ended up getting a, a Criterion Collection. Uh, version of it. it was a it was a really great uh, digital restoration of of the film and a, and and a, and a director's cut. I'm not sure exactly what um, Michael Mann had cut with this film versus the uh, the originally released version. But one other, one other thing about about Thief and really I guess about all these Michael Mann films is they are violent, and uh, I don't think necessarily Michael Mann revels in the violence. But he's trying to portray things pretty accurately, and and he does. So the, those uh, that really plays into this next film that I picked of of Michael Mann's, which is the Last of the Mohicans from 1992. This film uh, is is a is an adaptation of the James Fenimore Cooper novel, and also an adaptation of an earlier film version of it. Uh, it stars Daniel Day Lewis and Madeline Stowe, and I I remember seeing this film in, the, in theaters and and was quite smitten with it, and and I felt you know felt the same watching it again. It uh, but it's so violent. Uh, it's it's uh, the film takes place in the midst of the French and Indian War, which was going on you know in the in the in the seventeen fifties. Here on the American continent before the American Revolution, and um, it's 
it, it, it it's so beautifully filmed and it's got such, again man's signature attention to detail and he also manages to get these incredible night shots the way he lights up the forest and things because again you know there's no big city lights going on <laughs> like there would be in a modern day era film but uh really um really compelling uh beautiful soundtrack in this film too uh, and I thought I can't get the theme out of my head. You probably have heard it many times too, and maybe not even realize if you haven't if you haven't seen this film. But uh, the romance that goes on between Daniel Day Lewis's character and Madeline Stowe's character too is all through their eyes, and uh, it's 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 uh, incredibly memorable. And the the action scenes are really moving. The war scenes are so gruesome. I had to close my eyes a bunch because you know what's going to happen and it's just so gross. But again, they're there. He's going for realism. And, and this was clearly a very violent thing. Uh, um, as I mentioned, Daniel Day Lewis and Madeline still really steal the show, but uh, lots of native American actors are in this too. Russell means West Studi, Uh And they're, and they're, they're very good. In fact, West Studi plays the bad guy called Magua and, and uh, ooh. He's he's a bad dude. So um, anyway, I actually really was quite smitten with with seeing the last of the Mohicans again, uh, and so happy to be able to pick it as one of the, you know these Michael Mann films. But but yeah, watch out because it is violent. So uh, the final of the three films I picked from Michael Mann's wonderful filmography is Heat. From 1995, and I, this is this is a this is a modern day crime drama, and really one of my favorite movies. And you know, not so much that it's you know crime drama is my genre, but this movie is so well made. So it's 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 one of the few. Actually, I think it's the only time where Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are in the same scene. You know, they were both in. In uh, the Godfather Part Two, but 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 in different, you know, they weren't they weren't on screen together. Um, but this film, it's it's really it's this cat and mouse drama. Uh, Robert De Niro and and again, Michael Mann did an incredible amount of research and based most of these characters on actual people. But Robert De Niro plays a thief named Neil McCauley. And and uh, he's he, he he does some major take takedowns, uh, particularly like um, banks or armed or armed vehicle or uh, uh, those armored cars, you know, that that transport money. Um, and then Al Pacino plays an LAPD lieutenant named Vincent Hanna, and so basically, this Heat has got two protagonists. You got one who's criminal and one who's a detective, and and Michael Mann, who wrote the script, the screenplay, did this really masterful job of making both of these characters likable. You're almost rooting for them both, um, which seems crazy, you know. <laughs> but and of course they're flawed, but but uh, it's it's such a it, it's such a compelling it's such a compelling piece. So. Beautifully filmed. Again, these night shots—you just can't believe 
you just can't believe him. And this this uh, film has got so many twists and turns. It's almost three hours long. So there's there's a lot there's a lot of, of stuff. There's one particular. Well, I mean, there's a there's a few scenes that are pretty unforgettable. But there's one particular scene after a bank robbery. There is this shootout that they that they film in downtown Los Angeles that is uh, unreal from from both just the uh, the filming and the execution of it and also the sound design you just feel like you are in the middle of you know I mean what like what it would sound like in a canyon of skyscrapers with you know with thousands of bullets ricocheting all around you it feels like it's some kind of a modern uh, western shootout there on the streets you know the streets of, of, of modern day Los Angeles. But but it's it's tremendous. There's a uh, he turned twenty five years old last year. Uh, hard to believe that. But uh, Michael Mann did did an interview, and and uh, they put it out on YouTube. It was through the uh, Paramount Network, and I've uh, I've got a link to it in the podcast notes on my blog. If you want to, if you if, if you're curious, you want to check that check that out. But I thought it was it was interesting to hear. His take, and he gives some other behind-the-scenes stuff about about the making of, about the making of Heat. Um, Heat also stars Val Kilmer, John Voight, Tom Sizemore, Amy Brenneman, Ashley Judd, um, Wes Studi is also back in this film. He's but he's he he plays uh he's uh one of Al Pacino's colleagues on the on the uh you know his character's colleagues on the LAPD. And uh, young Natalie Portman is in this movie too. She she uh, she plays Al Pacino's character's stepdaughter. So uh, anyway, it's it's a he he he's he's a one of a kind film and definitely my favorite Michael Mann film. But but uh, Michael Mann has you know made a lot of excellent films. Uh, and again, particularly he excels at the crime drama, but I've got a link on the podcast notes to my blog to his IMDb page, and you can check out his filmography and hopefully check out some Michael Mann films, uh, and just be ready to, uh, <laughs> close your eyes possibly <laughs> if, uh, you don't have much of a stomach for, 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 uh, some of this violence. Well, that does it for this episode of the Movies Past and Present podcast. Again, links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Links are also on the blog. Also, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at moviespap, as in past and present. As always, I hope you'll enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth.